how it is, therefore, we are not angels from heaven to speak to you, but men whom grace and grace alone has made to differ from you. We rise up in prayerful exultation and cry out together, Hail Mary, full of grace. We need to start with the conviction that nothing on this earth satisfies. I want to know you and the people you serve. Every priest is a kind of a mediator between God and man, bringing God to man and man to God. Send us out to bring glad tidings. Go make disciples. Welcome to Life is Still Worth Living, a podcast of the seminarians of the Diocese of Peoria. Hello and welcome to another episode of Life is Still Worth Living. My name is Jacob Martini. My name is Jacob Hopper. And we have some special guests with us. We do. uh, Taking time out of their busy schedule, taking time away from their family, the loves, Dr. Love and Alexis Love. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Um, why don't you guys introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself and why you think maybe we decided to have you guys on here. <laughs> nice. Only compliments then. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so I'm one of the professors here at the seminary. Um, Jacob Martini is in my Christian marriage class this past semester. Um, I... Only answer to Dr. Love. No. <laughs> My name is John. Um, very happy to be here. Very happy to be asked. Uh, here with my wife, Alexis. Yep, and I'm here with our eighth child, Edmund. So if you hear anything, <laughs> it's him. <laughs> if you hear any burps or toots, because he's only six weeks old, and he makes a lot of noise when he's eating. <laughs> there you go. Um, we got married in 2003. <coughs> um I was sort of in, in the middle of school still, and Alexis was out of school, had worked a year. Um, we got married, and two weeks later moved to Italy, um, where I did my last semester of classes for my doctorate. Um, and We lived on the Mediterranean Sea and had like 40 people visit us in six months because we were the free place to stay in Rome. <laughs> so, Near Rome, yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Um, And so in the 19 years we've been married, we've had eight kids. Um, We've bounced around a little bit because that's how teachers do, finding a job. But we've been here in Emmitsburg uh, for the past 14 years, um, teaching at Mount St. Mary's, um, making a a life here with our family. I homeschool our children. Um, The oldest is about to graduate high school next year so that'll be a new transition for us so our kids range from 17 down to six weeks um and we've got two boys no three boys now and five girls yeah um (laughs) i feel we are available we were asked because we are available (laughs) um also because of the the funniness of, of the name, you know, Christian Marriage Class with Dr. Love. So, <laughs> I mean, flows. it's a name good for podcast, right? <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think everybody's trying to do their best. Um, you know, we're all trying to be faithful disciples, faithful Christians, follow our vocations, uh, live according to God's call. Um, you know, we try to do that. 
of course, you know, there's always bumps in the road and um, always challenges to be met. Um, and I don't know, I think sometimes we do a good job and sometimes we do a pretty bad job, but, you know, you just keep on getting up and keep on trying and that's the name of the game uh, in the earthly pilgrimage. Mm. Um, we were asked to think about our favorite saints. Yes. I was um, even going to even give the a little bit of introduction. You'd mentioned uh, Edmund here coming up with your kids' names. Some of them have those uh, saintly names. Yeah. Um, sometimes, like um, with Anthony Moses, we were living overseas. Um, our oldest, Anthony, so we were living in Italy, where St. Anthony of Padua was from. And we had just the, the real blessing to visit Egypt, um, where St. Anthony of the Desert is from. And um, when we were going to, to the, for this sort of quick trip, a couple weeks to Egypt, um, my wife's father said, bring me back a baby Moses. So we did. <laughs> um, well, and I think it's kind of interesting, too, because his name, he ends up, you've got Anthony, um, who... St. Anthony of Padua is known for his ability to preach well. And his tongue is, you know, his whole, like, thorax, I think, is basically on display in a reliquary in Padua. Um, and then you also have Anthony of the Desert, who wants to be a hermit. And then you also have Moses, who's called to speak um, out and and lead, but he's a he either has a stutter or we don't know we're not sure what was going on but he had to have his brother speak for him and it turns out that our anthony moses you know he he's not he takes a long time to warm up he doesn't really like to talk in front of people he's not your guy who's gonna go out there you know he struggles with that or, or it's just not his forte and um it's just interesting how his name mm -hmm. kind of almost addresses that sort of central part of his personality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he's got patrons on both sides of the coin. Mm -hmm. He's got Anthony, who's famous for preaching, and Moses, who needed his brother's help. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of neat. But we've never had troubles. We've never struggled with names. We, we Generally speaking, we can get to a name we both agree on very quickly. Yeah. Unlike some of our friends who, you know, will have a baby for a week and still have no name. Yeah, it's but. true. Um... I guess running through pretty quickly, our, our next is our first girl, Rosemary Emanuela, which was the version of Mary we could agree on. Uh, Emanuela after the incarnation. Yeah, she's born close to the Annunciation. Okay. Thomas Augustine is our second boy. So he's all set to be a philosopher or a theologian. And if he goes the, <laughs> the lucrative route and becomes a plumber, then he can be Gus or something in that order too. <laughs> um, next is Cecilia Noel. Uh, who was born 10 days before Christmas. Yeah, and music is one of the things that we have in common um, in our married life, so we wanted oh. Cecilia at some point. And then we got onto the Dominican Carmelite track. Um, mm -hmm. I was in formation with the Lake Carmelites for five years, and my wife is a lay Dominican, so if it was a boy, it was Carmelite first, Dominican second. If it was a girl, then um, Dominican first, Carmelite second. And so we have a... Catherine Therese, Catherine of Siena, <laughs> Therese of Lisieux. And then our next child was uh, Gloria Clare. 
Um, she was born in the spring, um, actually on Holy Thursday, mm-hmm. right at the time, sort of like Easter time is when the Gloria comes back. Mm-hmm. But it's also like the song of, of exaltation, of praise around the incarnation as well. So we're kind of doubling down. We're, we're pro-incarnation people. <laughs> um, <laughs> really like it. <laughs> Um, and interestingly enough, like, um, glory means, like, clarity. Everybody sees and we praise. And Claire mm-hmm. is clarity. So it's kind of a double name. It's like clarity, clarity um, <laughs> sort of meanings for Gloria Claire's name. Um, and then we had Joanna Magdalene. And at that point, like, John had been the boy name for several children. But we did four mm. girls in a row, so. Um, and, you know, it's our seventh kid, and we thought, like, well, we need the John patrons in there somewhere. So we went with Joanna, which is a form of John, um, and Magdalene, uh, who's patroness of the Dominican Order, and, you know, first proclaimer of the resurrection news. Preacher to the apostles. Oh. Um, and then we had um, Edmund Albert. Edmund, especially after St. Edmund Campion, um, who is famous English martyr. Um, and, and also Edmund of Narnia. Correct. <laughs> um, In the later books, when he gets good. <laughs> um, and Albert after my dad. And Albert the Great, also a Dominican. Right. So. so there we are. And I would say, like, um, like, my favorite saints are sort of play into my name partly, so John the Beloved, who I was especially named after, um, is a good patron for me. Um, Mary was a mother to me, um, you know, in, in good times and in bad, and, and so she's close to me too. Um, John of the Cross is really important to me. I did a lot of my work on John of the Cross, um, so that's another John saint. And also Aquinas, I went to Dominican schools and teach a lot about Thomas here, so... Um, St. Thomas Aquinas is important to me. Um, St. John Paul uh, was really formative. You know, I, I grew up as a, you know, in the sort of John Paul papacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, you know, he's really important too, and I think it's been important for our, our life as, as Catholics growing yeah, when, up. When we were, we were married at the time, he was still able to do the nuptial blessing. If you got there within three months of getting married, and we were there within a few weeks of being married. So <laughs> we, you know, I put my dress on, we went up, and we did the whole nuptial blessing at St. Peter's, and it was John Paul still. Wow. So um, he literally did bless our marriage, and oftentimes I yell at him about a lot of stuff. <laughs> I'm like, this is your fault. You brought us together, and then you, you know, encouraged us and showed us the beauty of life and a large family, and so here we are with all of these problems <laughs> that come from people, because people, you know, mow people, mow problems. <laughs> and um, I often, you know, in my prayer, I'm like, I'm really, I really, like, this is your fault. you got to fix it now, JP. You're up there. Yeah. You're doing your thing. Like, work this out because you blessed this. You seem to want this to happen. Like, now you're there and we could use your, you could use your prayer. Yeah, so even I'm, I'm looking at, we're recording in yeah. your office. You got John Paul II mm-hmm. over there. For sure. And that I think that's uh, John up there actually mm-hmm. holding Christ. Oh. It's dark. But, it, yeah. I got a glare on my side of it, but mm-hmm. I can just see perfectly in the, the corner there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> John Paul II also did his work on John on the Cross. As he did. Well. He did. Um, at the same school, we both yeah. went to the Angelic and the Dominican school in Rome. 
So commonality. We're kind of the same person. <laughs> That's what we're saying here. Right. I have never seen both of you guys in the same room at the same time <laughs> until now. <laughs> but I, I think that that leads right into the topic. You know, last last episode, or I don't know exactly the order that these will be released, but a couple episodes ago, uh, we had no. Just how it goes when... So not released yet? No, the other one has been released with uh, okay. with the one that Pat Willie was on. Yeah. yeah. So you do know the order? I do, but I don't know when this one's going to be released okay. because the Deacons might be on oh, first. Oh, that's true. Now you're... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, but we had the episode where Pat Willie uh, kind of talked a lot about um, the development of the theology of marriage and that sounds great. It's really cool to contemplate as, you know, philosophers and, and theologians and, and the beauty and truth of God. Uh, but I'm hoping to have you guys maybe discuss a little bit of your, your experience uh, as, as a married couple, um, striving to uh, grow in holiness, trying to be disciples. So maybe as, as an opener, uh, what was... How did you guys, when you guys first first met, how did you guys make uh, the faith as part of your relationship, right right at the beginning? Sure. Um, we met uh, at college at Steubenville, um, which is a, a school really sort of focused on discipleship, um, spiritual formation, you know, finding a kind of a way of prayer and spirituality that works for you, finding friends in that spirituality and kind of growing in that. Um, so that was important um, at that place, and, and we were there, you know, kind of for those reasons, among others. Um, and because of sort of some strange circumstances and um, my my principles, um, I was leaving the country, so I didn't want to, like, lock Alexis into a relationship and then, like, go across the ocean you know, while she was still back in Ohio. So like, I didn't want to start dating before I left. So we started dating while we were separated by an ocean. Um, After I convinced him he was being like, that I wasn't interested in those principles. <laughs> like, um, I'm over you having these standards, you know, <laughs> let's just date. So when we would write to each other, <laughs> we would end every email or letter uh, with a prayer. Um, so, and we knew, you know, um, that our faith life was really important. You know, her, I knew that hers was important to her and she knew, uh, it was really important to me. So, so we, we just began our communication, um, ending with prayer. Uh, so that was a way to kind of put prayer into it for sure. I mean, it's just hard to like, I couldn't really overemphasize how central it was to, even I think, at least for me, like my attraction to him at all, period, was largely centered around the fact that I, I could trust that he um, really loved Christ in a very uh, meaningful and real way, that it, was, it impacted how, all of his choices and all of his actions. Um, and it just, it, it was so thorough, his relationship with with Christ that I, I didn't have any concerns about whether it was gonna last or, you know, like there was no, there was no, um, it was solid. 
he he was solid in his relationship with Christ. I was solid in mine, and we just that was just always from the very beginning part of what we wanted in the other person is that they had that going mm-hmm. on already. So, you know, in addition to personality things or other ways you find the person attractive, to, for me it was that was just not. I, I couldn't really have found someone attractive otherwise, I think, because it was just so important to me. Uh, and um, the priest who said our wedding mass sort of preached about that idea you know, a fair amount in, in his homily. So, like, he saw that. He knew that. Um, that was very clear to him, too. Um, you know, watching Alexis grow up and then kind of getting to know me a bit, too. So... Um, I mean, some other things we had in common um, were music. You know, we both sang for mass at Steubenville, um, and music is a thing that brought us together. Um, yeah, that's kind of how we met. And also, we still, we just still pray that. We both individually pray that way, hmm. um, and we both pray that way together. So I'm trying to pass that on a bit to the kids, but it's, like, even if it doesn't, even if we're not able to pass that on so much to them, like, it's definitely something that we can have continued for the last almost 20 years, you know, or actually more than 20 years because... That we've been together. Yeah. We were, even when we were dating, we would play music together and pray that way and have, you know, like joint prayer times, like almost like mini prayer meetings, just the mm. two of us. So I remember doing that when we were, when I first visited him in Rome, we were in his apartment and we just, for hours and hours, we played music. And I remember thinking... Oh my gosh! I, I think I said out loud, "We could do this every day," and he was like, <laughs> "Yeah, we could." So we don't every day, but <laughs> frequently. Every Wednesday. Every, every Wednesday, Wednesday together yeah. at the seminary. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> every Sunday at mass at church. And now uh, that kind of leads in. What is it? Uh, I guess how? Do, what are ways that you guys have have found ways to pray with a family, having still young ones running around, but even those who are. Like, how do you guys pray? Do you guys set aside that time to pray individually? Do you guys pray together? What does prayer life look like in the family? Sure. We've done, it, it looks different at different times. So mm-hmm. I, it, it would, I mean, we could give you plenty of examples of different kinds of things, but like sometimes it's look like a family rosary. Sometimes it's look like daily mass. Um, it always looks like, it freak, you know, it kind of consistently looks like uh, more spontaneous prayer mm. for specific situations. Um, if if we know, you know in, sometimes it's intercessory prayer for friends of the family or family members. Um, sometimes it's just a prayer for discernment that we share with the kids. Like some, I, I remember specifically once we needed a piano, and I was praying for a piano, and then with the kids, like we need a piano, and of course, you know, the way God works, like the next day piano was free on some email loop and not only was it free they it was light enough to just like get delivered very quickly anyway the kids totally saw that as like oh that's the answer to our prayer so lots of if you pray kind of right spontaneously regularly about specific things and then when god answers them sort of obvious to everyone where that help came from Mm -hmm. and i find that to be the most effective form of family prayer (laughs) it's kind of in the moment (laughs) sure and um you know prayer journals talking to saints reading 
works of saints. So with Catherine Therese, read Story of a Soul. And that's a thing like I do with her. So I kind of like spiritual reading. You know, that's it's special to her because it's her name. And then she gets to know this little girl who is a saint. And that's cool, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to kind of lean into some of the patrons uh, that they have. And um, also trying to do whatever works. You know, is this a way that you're going to pray, kids? Great, we're going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that sense, like trying to discern, trying not to impose on them, you know, our own spiritualities or something like that. Like that, let them kind of develop their their own sort of appreciation and taste and discernment too. Yeah, we've been really um, blessed by the charismatic community. And so we also make a point of exposing them to that type of prayer. Um, again, not forcing it on them, but just exposing them to it. So we, we make a point of sending our middle schoolers up to the middle school camp, you know, summer camp that the charismatic community runs. In Michigan. Um, where, yeah, from my hometown. And, and we just, we also, I wanted to mention that we did take the kids on pilgrimages to pretty much all of their... Um, saint places. We were blessed to be able to go to Europe and do that. So that was a big, that was a major priority for us in planning our itinerary was mm-hmm. like, how can we get to, how can we get to Lisieux? How can we get to Milan to see Augustine's grave? How can we get to, you know, like we kind of made a whole big map of Europe and were able to take the kids there, which I mean, just, it may, it just gives them um, a real sense of connection with their patron. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, the Easter vigil that we go to, or that from my wife's sort of home parish back in Michigan, you know, it's it's packed to the gills. Probably a thousand people go to the vigil. Can't get a seat unless you're there an hour early. It lasts four and a half hours, and you know, we took our kids and they, you know, up there when they were younger. But then we took them when they were more this sort of middle school age. And in the middle of the homily, you know, several hours in, Thomas leans over and says, this is the best homily I've ever heard. Um, and just, you know, so like he's still awake and paying attention. And like, Amazing. Awesome. And this past year we were watching some video clips, you know, of, of the, the psalm responses at that vigil mm-hmm. from this year. Um, and the kids are, you know. They at, started lobbying hard. The kids at age, you know, 15, 13, 12 are saying, we got to get back there next year. Mom, we got to go. We, we have to go for Easter. We can't, we can't miss out. Sort of, so when you have that kind of response yeah. to authentic prayer of whatever kind, you say, yes, yeah, we we'll will go. do it. We'll go. We will make it happen. <laughs> you want right. to pray this? Great. We'll go pray. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is so cool. How, uh, having all those children and going to Mass, uh, what, is, what is that experience like? <laughs> A circus? I mean, it's, it's actually especially a circus right now because the last few years since COVID has made music scarce at our parish. Mm. Um, we do all the music for the Sunday morning mass, which means that we're in the choir loft and it's just our family. And that has been like both a saving grace and a real problem because they're behind everybody. So no one can really see them. And so their behavior is just like... I mean, they have no, there's no pressure to, you know, kneel, sit, stand in one place. Like, they just 
wandering around up there recently. This has been a problem lately. We're working on it. Well, and there's like, also <laughs> a young baby and then a two-year-old to kind of chase after. So there's always, oh, well, there's I'm, like an I'm helping Joanna. For, so yes, that, yeah. there's mm-hmm. an excuse for getting up and wandering around and um. causing problems. And on Easter, I was like holding Edmund while we were singing. We were diaper changing in between singing different songs and then Josie, the two-year-old, like took a, took the, um, AC grate. Yeah, the grate from the vent and <laughs> dropped it down the vent. Oh, so it's now in the vent of the <laughs> choir loft. I mean, just like we had someone drop a palm. Allegedly, somebody dropped a palm. For oh, sure. Off the balcony. Off the balcony. Yeah, onto yeah. somebody. I mean, it's just been a real <laughs> mess lately. It's been particularly bad. So I think it's funny you ask that because right now we're doing very poorly. <laughs> when we had In all little area. kids, um, they asked me to come into the homiletics class here at the seminary. And I was able to tell the guys, I haven't heard a whole homily for seven years. Hmm. Because somebody cries partway through. Right. You know, and when I get up with a kid... Other people are getting up with kids, um, you know. So that's that's a part of life when you're when you have all young kids, um, no no teens to take the baby out. You know, you're you're up and out a lot. Well, and if it's a particularly, if there's actual, I don't know. This sounds kind of cynical, but if there's actual prayer happening for my older kids, I don't want them to take the baby out and get distracted. Really, so. It has been a really long time of mostly just, you know, um, it's prayer, but it's not deep meditative prayer. Mm. You know, it counts, <laughs> but kind of barely. So we, we did go to daily mass for many, many years. It's really only in the past year or so that we haven't. We just moved. Um, we were one block from a parish, and now we're not. And what do you know? That makes it harder. <laughs> but um, daily Mass, I actually found easier with all the kids mm. than Sunday Mass. Sunday Mass can be long. It's, you know, sometimes crowded. There's a lot of distractions. Daily Mass is so fast, it makes them feel like they're getting away with something. You know, they can just, it's like quick. Like you go and they're like, wow, that was really short. So I actually encourage younger moms to take their kids to daily Mass because I think it's a really good training time for little kids' behavior. Mm. It's less expectations, you know, less amount of time for them to be- have to behave. Makes sense. I, yeah, uh, I have another question. We're in philosophy. Um, we're talking about theology of the body and our final, so this will help me with my paper I have to write. <laughs> um, Dr. Hochschild asked, like, how can we maintain that kind of deep love of wisdom? And Alexis, you said, like, your prayer is not, like, deep contemplative, like, you know, Carmelite or Dominican, like, steeped in something normally. So, like, how did the two of you try and maintain that um, that love of wisdom that's still, like, trying to go deeper amidst all the distractions of, of daily life? Mm-hmm. I think it's always a question of, of making room, making space, and I think of sort of fighting for each other, you know, sort of like, you know, I'll hold them back, you go pray, (laughs) sort of like, (laughs) lock yourself in the bathroom and get a prayer time, because, you know, and then you come tag me out later or something like that. Um, 
you know, as a theologian, I sort of like have professional pressure to pray. Sure. Um, <laughs> well, you once had a priest in spiritual direction say, you know, a theologian who doesn't pray becomes a hack. Don't be that guy. Right, Father Pat? Yeah, in confession. And, and I mean, you know. It's, Sorry. That's right. Um, <laughs> he, yeah. And I mean, yeah, that's true. But that's important. It's not, yeah. It's, it's especially it's, important if you're like a professional, you know, God person. Mm-hmm. You should be yeah. a prayer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's a really good, it's really keen insight. Um, and especially, you know, you're in a place where you teach the same things over and over you know, the tendency is for it to get sort of stale and old, and I've done it before, I've done it before. Um, but if you're looking at God, um, then it doesn't get old because he's ever ancient, ever new. But, I mean, on a practical level, it's not easy always to... It's just, it, we just, we fail as much as any anybody fails at this. Sure. We're not sure. excellent at this. this sure. It's not something I feel very well qualified to give advice about, but... I mean, except to say, like, it's a fight, and, like, yeah. when you when you don't make time to pray, then you get up the next day and go at it yeah. again, and um, and just, I think one, one good thing is sort of living a family life is really difficult, and I think you quickly come to the point where you realize, like, I do not have the resources yes. necessary to do this well, and so that that sends you to your knees, right? Sort of like, I need superpowers here because this is yeah. not good without that. Yeah, yeah and I, I think um, one, one thing that has helped me is to identify my kind of most base level type of spirituality. And um, so I am a lay Dominican now, and that's really helped me realize for me I have to be thinking. I mean, there's got to be kind of intellectual um, meat for me to be just chewing on. And I can get that from a million different places. It it doesn't have to be necessarily quiet prayer. It can be, you know, a quick podcast. It can be, it doesn't even have to be spiritual in nature. It can be anything that's true. Hmm. And then the truth will lead me into, you know, closer to God. so I've definitely found knowing my spirituality type kind of helpful. It tells me what direction to go in with my limited time. Um, and the time, yeah. I mean, there's. The, I think it is important to remember to continue to make. It's easy to say, well, doing the dishes is a prayer and doing the laundry is a prayer. And I think, you know, you can, you can make your daily life you know, all a prayer to God. But if you don't also set some time apart, even if it's, you know, three minutes, like first thing in the morning to say a morning offering before you open your eyes or something, if you don't do something very specific, I actually don't think it is very possible to make the rest of your life a prayer. I think something intentional um, is is important to keep the rest of it in focus. Yeah, and making time for for each other to get away for retreats too. More more time, focus time. Yeah, it's not just caught here or there. I think that's that's important and, and has been important to me um, over the years. Um, but also, like, 
not holding up this lofty ideal, you know, if I can't pray for one hour, then I won't even start, sort of, nobody's got time for that. <laughs> and, and if you set your standard like that kind of platonic ideal, using philosophy vocab, yeah. <laughs> um, Thank you. <laughs> then you'll never do it. Sure. So, you know, some things are so important, they're worth doing sort of badly. Yes. Mm. So, like, yes. I have two minutes. Yeah, do it. Yes. Pray. Right. Get like, it in. I'm often, I almost only ever listen to the liturgy, liturgy of the Hours on the Divine Office app, or I even listen to a rosary when I'm going about I mean, I just don't have time. I don't have time to do it right. And it would be better if it was right, but this is what I've got. So it's mm -hmm. gonna, it's, you know, it, it's keeping, I, I think of it as holding space so that someday when life slows down a little bit, if it ever slows down, I'll have maintained the space for Liturgy of the Hours and a rosary and mass, you know, in my life. Like, mm -hmm. there'll be a spot for it to get deep when mm -hmm. deepness strikes. And if you think about the gospel story, you know, I think the Lord asks us to bring whatever we have. And if you have five loaves and two fish for 5,000 plus, just bring what you have. You know, and, and he's going to bless your fidelity. He's going to bless your intention. He's going to bless your desire. Um, and, and do great things. Right. right, because it is a relationship. Like, you couldn't just, like, sacrifice all day and never talk to each other. Right. And say, like, that is your, like, sacrifice for you. Like, if you don't sit down with the other, and, you know, if it is just two minutes at night or whatever, to, and the same with God, right? If, I think that's good insight. Thank you. Yeah. And and for married people, too. I mean, you know, everyone has a relationship with God. It's important. And for married people, you have this coupled life, you and your spouse. Um, and and your your life and, and even the grace from the sacrament comes in and through that relationship, that, you know, and that friendship you have mm -hmm. with your spouse. Um, so it's where where priesthood is a sort of solitary life. It's a celibate life. You set yourself apart because heaven is real. God is real. He wants to meet his people. Uh, and the priest gets set aside to that service. So with married life, you're linked up uh, with another person. And, um, and it becomes the, the context of your, your own sanctification. That relationship, that give and take, that butting heads and making mistakes and apologizing and, you know, doing it all over again, that relationship and friendship is that sort of core and foundation of your, your Christian life. What are ways that you guys have found? Um, in a real way, it is, like you mentioned, like I talked last time, like needing to lean into the grace of the sacrament. Um, what are some ways for those who are engaged to be married, those who are early on in marriage, some, I don't know, practical things that you guys have found, any books, even reading, um, for any of the problems that do arise with marriage? Um, I mean, when we were very first married, I was, I read Dignitatus, or Mulieris Dignitatus, I'm yep. really bad with Latin Dignitatum. endings, so whatever one is correct. <laughs> um, Which is? On the Dignity of Women, Women by John Paul, and that was really beautiful for me. That, reading that, and also um, Francis de Sales' Introduction to Devout Life. Life, Introduction to the Devout Life, really, I feel like 
centered me in my the way I wanted to live out wife being a wife and mother. Mm. Um, I just found both very very profound in explaining and presenting how you know children and marriage or marriage and then the fruit of the marriage being the children is a path to sanctity. Um, and that was very clearly for me, it was, it was so inspiring and really gave purpose to the whole, the whole enterprise really. And it made me okay with, I, cause I had discerned earlier on that I was okay, that I thought God was leading me to like an earthbound life in the sense of, you know, if you're married, um, you're never fully happy if the people who you love on earth most closely are unhappy. And so in mm. the larger your family gets, the more likely you are to be kind of struggling in some way or other because someone close to you, your husband or your children, they're going to be suffering. So I think in some ways um, I knew I was called to kind of suffer along with, and that was a big part of my discernment. Mm. And for me that that sort of companionship um, and that that sort of your whole life given, that I saw that as a path to holiness, definitely. Um, you know, that not inability to hide, sort mm. of somebody will know. Um, that was, that I, I understood, so that, that was important for my own sanctification and my discernment. And I think, you know, um, I, in my study... Um, John Paul and his vision of love and friendship and um, marriage as communion of persons in love, as a place to see God, as a place to meet God, as a place to participate in God's life. That was all clear to me, I think, especially through John Paul. Um, so that really informed, I think, my my ideas about it. How important is, in kind of with that, uh, almost underlying is, self-knowledge how important have you seen self-knowledge um and <laughs> as your eyes get wide yes even like before you guys were married as you guys are dating um and even like all of your relationships past like before you guys even met each other the the idea of um knowing yourself knowing your personality knowing your love language how has that kind of played a role in your marriage sure. i mean it's it's like an ever-evolving you know what does Shrek say? We got, we got onions or the donkey. We got, everyone's <laughs> got a, yeah, layers. Onions. layers. <laughs> um, that it really feels like that. I mean, even to the point where just, just a few years ago, we had, you know, pretty major kind of onion layer peeling back, you know, where we had to get therapy and really think through a bunch of things. And it wasn't... It, it really was a beautiful time, even though it was a really hard time, because mm. so much more self-knowledge came. But it wouldn't have come without us having been married for as long as we already had been. So, I mean, you enter in with a certain amount of self-knowledge, or at least what you think you know about yourself. And then as the years go on, you know, it's like sandpaper rubbing and, like, new layers get exposed. And then you kind of have to reconcile that with what... You know what you know about the other person and how they work and it is really a never-ending project self-knowledge is just a never-ending project but one that is super tied to holiness you know Catherine of Siena said 
be who God created you to be and you'll set the world on fire. Well, you can't really do that unless you know who you are. Mm. She talks a lot about self-knowledge. Um, Teresa of Avila says in the first mansion of Interior Castle. See you this, this Dominican versus Carmelite <laughs> dueling. Not versus. Yeah. The There's no opposition. The complementarity Sisters the in the spirit. No, they're both fabulous. Named doctors of the church at the same time by Paul VI. Um, it would be a riot if it was any different. <laughs> she said, uh, you never leave the mansion of self-knowledge. And if you do, you're on your way out of the castle. That's out of relationship with God. You're all, you always need to attend to that. Because, you know, as we, as we see him, um, see the Lord more and more, he shows us ourself. That clear image, that clear mirror shows us who we are, shows us ourself more clearly. You know, as we come closer, we understand ourselves, we understand how God sees us. Um, and so our knowledge, not only is it important coming into marriage, but you, you recognize it's going to grow, um, both as your experiences pile up, as you face new challenges, um, but also, you know, as you dig into your past, um, you know, this is a life that's, that's going to expose you, that's going to bring out um, all these aspects, and, and you got to be ready to grow in knowledge um, and grow in love um, as, you know, in your family life, in your, in your married life. You know, this is the name of the game, and this, this is the, the life, the heart of the relationship. Mm. Um, getting to know yourself, getting to know the other, loving yourself, loving the other, loving God, all those things kind of building up together, working together. What role would you say um, community has played um, in your guys' marriage uh, and, and kind of helping, yeah, friendships, I guess, is, yeah. is really the... One, one thing I would say is, is really important. Um, being, you know, our, our friends, you know, a lot of the friends we have now, um, we, we kind of carried through from our college days and then, you know, in different places we've been, you, you kind of develop new friends. Um, but so many, so many really good, fruitful marriages, you know, uh, of our friends, which are really different than ours. And, and I think the, more, the farther you go in your life, the more you realize, you know, all of these marriages, all of these friendships look different. And that's, that's right. That's good because you've got, you know, all these unique combinations of unique individuals. Yeah, it makes you really not fall I mean you get further and further from the trap of thinking that there's a cookie cutter solution for things mm. the longer you're friends with you know two people you've known a long time and they're married to each other and you're like wow it looks so different like all of their prudential judgments they land in a different place than we would land but it really works for them so you just get you get you know it's all it's kind of affirming of your own unique um, the fruit of your own marriage is going to be very unique. Yeah, and you're not necessarily going to do the thing that somebody else does because what works for them might not work for you in your relationship. You're different people. You have different circumstances. You know, look at the challenges other people face. So, well, we, we've never had to face that. Um, so our marriage is different because of that. And, and so it makes a lot of sense, and I think it gives you a lot of patience and and kind of acceptance of other people and and they're going to do different things and and but we trust you know you do what you need to do 
Yeah. Um, you, you follow your own calling and discernment. I think also re- in reference to community and how it plays a role in our life, we, uh, someone once said to me that C.S. Lewis said, friendship is always a gift. And I think that's true on almost every level. It's, it's a gift of, you know, the, the friend to you. You make a gift of yourself to your friend. And also it's a gift from God. If, if someone comes into your life who's a good friend, that's a gift from God right there. So we pray. I, I often pray specifically for friends, for myself, for my children, for the family. You know, we, we want to have those fruitful relationships. But friendship is just always a gift. And that's how I experience it primarily as re- in relationship to our family is it's just delightful. It's a gift. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, um, we also have experienced support when things have gone badly, of course. But but primarily, I think it's just such a joy. <laughs> it makes me just think of the joy of the Trinity, you know, that this self-gift and these these relationships are, you know, gifts. They are mm-hmm. gifts to us. Yeah, and I'd say it's really important for us, but it's so obvious that community, friends, is is so vital for our kids. Oh, you know, yeah. And for them to be able to see sort of... It's not mom and dad and their crazy ideas. It's all these crazy people think the same. <laughs> Maybe it's true. Yeah. At least a house these of 160 are... guys <laughs> yeah. all doing yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. All around. Yeah. Um, you guys in the house and other families and, you know, having and, friends, you know, other people's kids. It's There's, there's so yeah. much riding on good community. Mm. Yeah. I guess even related to that, I, guess I have two questions, uh, but I'll leave this one. How important is it for the family? Uh, how important is the family for fostering vocations? And well, really I, general that's where it holiness. starts. That's where I mean. That's the only place it comes from. <laughs> is the family? Yeah, I mean, all people come from. The yeah, the, so the, I mean, therefore. Yeah, there's people. I, you know, um, I think God can call people not because the not in and through the great family life. Oh, sure. That's true. Um, but I think it's so much easier um, when, when you have a great family life, a, a supportive family life for any vocation. You know, if you're going to be a religious, if you're going to be a priest, if you're going to be married, um, it's so, so helpful, so vital to have a good family support, um, you know, as you go through that process. Well, and I mean, just exposing your children to healthy um, priests and religious, mm. which luckily for us is very easy. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, really trying to to bring good priests and religious into your life, it just makes the kids realize that it's an option, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that that's, those, that's a real person on the other side of that altar or, you know, that nun helping the poor that's a real just a real person behind that habit and mm-hmm. I could be that and perhaps by way of summary uh, could each of you give uh, maybe some advice something practical uh, that you've kind of gained from marriage that you'd like to pass on to to those discerning marriage um, or those who are already married and looking to grow in their faith I think Oh, this isn't very practical. I'm right. <laughs> I was just going to say, I mean, it really is an icon of 
the Trinity. And so that kind of laying down of self, um, that sacrifice is, I guess, I guess that is practical. I mean, that, because that is where the rubber meets the road and looking out for the other person and putting them first is, is, that's what you do all day, every day, if you're married. Yeah, I think a few things, um, try to just sort of hit bullet points here, but um, trust the Lord. I think there's a lot of trust in a married vocation because um, you don't know what your life is going to be. You don't know what, what trials or, or triumphs you're going to have. So you, you have to trust the Lord. Um, I think you should be expecting to discover all of your faults and problems and misconceptions um, and realizing that your tiredest, weakest, most impatient moments probably are going to happen with the people in your family, to Mm -hmm. the people in your family. Uh, You love them the most and they get the worst of you oftentimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. Um, and the, the love that the family has, the spouses and, you know, for each other, the spouses for the kids, the kids for the parents, that kind of holds you in those moments where, where you really foul up. Um, so learning to be humble, learning to, to ask for forgiveness when you mess up and experiencing the love and forgiveness of your family, I think, you know, confirms the, the value of that, how important it is and how safe it is actually, um, you know, everybody's everybody's got problems. Everybody does things wrong. Everybody sins, um, but hopefully, your family is the place where you learn to experience forgiveness and mercy and love, um, and that it's okay. You know, and, and we're here for each other uh, by the grace of the Lord. Amen. Thank you guys Amen. so much, and thank you guys for uh, taking the time yeah. out of your busy family life thank uh, you. to come talk to really us and, and all our listeners. Uh, Shout outs. Do you guys have anyone you guys like to shout out? I still don't understand the concept. So okay, we'll Jacob will go first. <laughs> so yes. my, my first shout out would just be to Dr. Love. Uh, he was my formator these last two years and um, just helped me to not, as I try to explain it to people not in seminary, help me to not be weird. And so <laughs> to Dr. Love just for, for all the work he did. Our second shout out is our first paid promotion for. Oh, yeah for this uh, podcast. I'm going to be waiting for this payment. Yes, you will receive The Chris Pie Five. That, that is our payment. <laughs> so uh, a shout out to Bailey Garland and the JP2 radio station in San Diego. Their mission is to live our faith out loud and um, to journey the faith with you every day. So to all them Give in them San a Diego, listen. yeah, jp2radio.com. Cross country, baby. We're reaching distant coasts. <laughs> Coast to coast. Coast to East coast. To West there now. we go. Excellent. Um, we'll give a shout out to uh, Christ the King Ann Arbor, um, the parish that we came from. Um, it's a great place. It's still a kind of home for us, and um, and you'll be there for Easter. And our you'll kids, be there for our Easter. kids are hankering you to get will. back. <laughs> yes. Somewhere there on the, down. On um, the mitten. Uh, we'll, we'll give our shout out to um, to our parents uh, who love and support us. Um, Alan, Sally, Cresta, 
um, you know, who... My parents. Yeah, who... That's my parents. <laughs> who, we don't have the same parents. I just feel like that's important Yeah, that's good. Say. That's a good point. <laughs> who work hard to, to live a married life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, who let us see that sometimes it's better and sometimes it's worse and sometimes it's richer and sometimes it's poorer, but but you're, they're there for it. Um, and, um, yeah. Yeah, and I would shout out to our kids who just put up with, like you said, the worst parts of us, absolutely the worst parts of us. And, you know, thanks. Thanks for sticking with us so far. <laughs> yeah, in the uh, the parental training program, yeah, where you're, you've... Uh, You've endured a lot of, a lot of ups and downs. Yes. Yes, I'll give a shout out to um, my friends engaged to be married, especially uh, Nolan and Beth, who will be married here in July, the wedding I'll be best man for, uh, as well as on the uh, kind of on the flip side, all of the the deacons who are going to be ordained uh, this coming end of I guess the first one for those guys will be Bromas in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. uh, Brother Thomas. Put those mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, especially uh, Deacon Jacob Ramos, just for all his leadership and, and guidance and helping me through all of the classes, especially marriage class. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but shout out for them. And then, of course, shout out to Ryan Mann. Ryan Mann, I don't know what like I'm going to do with the podcast. I, I think you have to take over while I'm in Guatemala for the yeah. summer. Yeah, he definitely will. He definitely He's got to be on here. Just keep praying for him. He'll make it. And would you guys like to close us in prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lady, Queen of Heaven, Queen of the Angels, Queen of the Saints, Wife and Mother, Spouse of the Spirit, Mother of the Savior, please pray for us. Pray for us that we may stick with the Lord. We may be faithful to Him, that we may experience your maternal love and prayer and guidance and help, which is always there. Help us learn the truth about what it means to be a holy family, what it means to be given to the Lord, uh, what it means to find him in the ins and outs and ups and downs of family life. We know you love us. We know you take care of us. You are our mother, uh, Jesus gave you to us and gave us to you. So we put everything in your hands with great trust uh, and with great joy. As we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Well, thank you guys again for joining us. We thank all of you guys for listening. Please pray for us, know of our prayers for you, and as always, thank you, and God love you.